Hi, everybody. It's Peter Bassler with ESEC Lending, and we're back here for another podcast for the ESEC Lending Insights podcast series. It's been a while since we've had this group together, meaning Brooke Gilman, who's coming from Burlington, Vermont, and Jim Maroney's coming from Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Jim, again, runs our equities and core bond trading, and Brooke, of course, runs our client team. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing pretty good, Peter. All right. I like summer's it. All, summer's almost over and that depresses me a little bit, but you know, it's still going strong up here. So that's good. There we go. And I know we're, we're here to talk about the market and what's been happening and what we think might happen going forward. And I know Jim is, is very rested coming off of his vacation and also very inspired coming off of his new Peloton purchase. So it's a, it's a new gym going forward for the rest of the year. Which he's so, not getting for another month, though. So, you know, he has, a, he has a while to wait, unfortunately. He's supporting the COVID stocks. I like that. That I am. That anyway, I am. so I think it's fair to say that this year has been a wild ride for securities lending returns, starting off kind of slowly and then picking up with some great specials activity. And now we're, you've seen the market soften a bit. Jim, you want to give us like a little recap from your side? Yeah, Sure. Yeah, I, I would say 2020 has been a great year for securities lending, but I certainly picked the right two weeks to take off as uh, things have slowed down, which we didn't think would be the case. Kind of first quarter, Jan and Feb were boring, same old, same old you'd had for the last couple of years. March was very volatile, but it happened too quick. So first quarter, we didn't make a ton of money in securities lending. Second quarter was a home run. We had a lot of volatility. We had all the new story stocks and themes, shorts get set, whether it was cruise lines, airlines, things we've talked about in the past. So Q2 was very good, but volatility was creeping down, down, down in June, spiked in the middle of the month to I think 40-ish, and then has been straight line down to uh, 20 where it sits today. So third quarter has been a little bit benign in terms of intrinsic value, as well as compressing spreads from lower rates. So the reinvested cash loans, which were very profitable for cash lenders in Q2, has come back to more realistic levels here in Q3. So I think many times we were on a call with a client this week. We talked about how you, how you look at securities lending and you can say run rate and what it is today running forward. And back in May and maybe April, a run rate might have been a little disingenuous and higher than what you might think it would be. I think the same is true if you take and strike a run rate today of your book of business whether it's uh, global equities or, or focused in the U.S. or corporate bonds. You take it now and strike it forward, it's probably lower than it's going to be. I think there's a lot of trigger events for us in Q4, maybe September, but most, mostly Q4. We've got elections coming up. We've got year-end after that. We've got COVID unfolding and everyone going back to school. And I think while we're seeing an unwinding here in July and August, the COVID themes that have been in place for a number of months, we haven't seen the setting of new themes, and certainly that's going to happen. What they are yet, I, I don't know, but it's going to happen. But we have seen a pickup in M&A, which has been great. It's mostly cash deals at this point, but I think with stocks making this big run, at some point, companies are going to use their stock as currency to buy deals, and so that'll be good for us when there's elections involved. And there's been a lot of IPOs. Rocket Mortgage comes to mind, B-E-K-E, -E, which is a Chinese IPO came. And so those aren't trading special now, but they have lockup periods. And so what we've seen in the past couple of years is as you approach lockup periods for these IPOs, they get very, very special. And so that'll be happening in Q4 and Q5 for all the IPOs that came in Q2 and Q3. So I think that sets us up for kind of inherent intrinsic value coming back to the market. So that's my positive spin on a crummy last month of securities lending. Jim, quick question. 
on collateral preferences. I know we're big when Brooke and I talk to clients, we're big on collateral flexibilities being key, right? Take cash, take a wide array of non-cash. And the market was for a long time cash oriented and less focused on the non-cash. Is that still true? Or do you see anything coming back towards preferring kind of equities? Equities are coming back. So there's a lot of cash on the street. It's expensive to buy cash loans today. And as I talked about, that spread has compressed. So your total spread, you know, your reinvest yield minus your cost of funds has collapsed to a point that it, it becomes less economic for us to buy the cash. And so borrowers see the same thing. And they're longer equities today than they were three months ago. As their boxes fill up, they have more collateral to give us on an E4E basis. And so we've seen a pickup in the equity collateral space and a decrease in the cash collateral space. Although cash collateral has come down, it hasn't dropped as far as we thought or in lockstep with, with the reinvest. Just think there's a lack of new shorts and new borrows has kind of just kept us treading water, which I, I guess isn't a bad place to be as you go through the summer doldrums. And what are you hearing from borrowers as far as hedge fund activity generally? Are people on the sidelines as this market keeps going higher? Yeah, or- it's a good question. Typically, you get pretty good color from the primes in terms at a high level of what their clients are doing. It feels a little bit more, I think the consensus, I was with the consensus, was that it was going to be risk on through the summer. And that hasn't been the case. It feels like when I asked the question, just back, just back from vacation, I'm making the rounds and making calls, finding out where people think their clients sit and what they're going to be doing on a go forward basis. It seems to be more confusion than anything. So I, I am hearing of hedging. We're not seeing it in the ETF space, but I am hearing that some of the clients who have gotten themselves longer and, and kind of levered long as opposed to your standard long short are hedging out that risk now. So I, we may be coming to a point, there is just so many triggers that could, could flip the market. What happened today? Something was announced. Oh, the uh, Fed minutes came out. And the Fed minutes talked about how COVID was going to have a more impactful push on the economy downward. And so people immediately sold off. And so I think those sorts of things on an exaggerated basis are what hedge funds might be worrying about now. So if they're hedging, maybe that's good in terms of where risk will sit or where, where volatility in the VIX will sit going forward. And Jim, you talked about some of the COVID trades coming off. Is that largely just because of it being more of a risk-off summer that people are, have taken? Or is that because people really do think that those COVID-driven trades and specials and kind of the sectors that were trading special in the spring are likely to shift to other areas going forward? Yeah. There was covering, I think, in the cruise lines and airlines. And so people have made money on it. Maybe as we get near to a potential vaccine, people get nervous about that. And then things flip. So they've been covering. It's also been a supply story in some of the sectors. So cannabis was a place where these retail shops kind of historically haven't lent are now in the market lending. And that supply came in in kind of May, June. Robinhood, for instance, turned on their lending program and lending retail assets. And so a lot of these trades have been retail driven and flipped around by retail, a lot of the COVID trades. And so, yeah, I think it's short covering. That's more of a leap or a guess on my part based on activity. But I also think it's demand driven too. I think there's more longs in the market available to borrow, which gives us less pricing power when we lend our specials. And what do you think about some of the non-US markets? What's been the trend across some of those regions? I know there's still one or two short-selling bands lingering in Asia, but what about some of the other markets? 
Yeah, Korea's that short sale ban, which is due to expire in September, looks to me like it's going to get kicked down the road. So it may exist, maybe in a slightly different format. It's, it's kind of hard to say, but I think that uh, is troublesome for that region and has caused issues there. Taiwan, on the other hand, has been a pretty good market over the last couple of months. But Asia in general has been soft, as we saw through a handful of auctions that we did in our discretionary book. It just feels like Asia's running its course a little bit, or maybe they're ahead of us and so we'll use them as a barometer for when they start to pick up, we know the U.S. might be behind it. And it's usually the other way around, but it's hard to say. Europe, um, Europe's been quiet, very quiet. So the dip season came and went. It was soft, but that, that's no different than it has been any other year. And post the short sale bans in Europe getting lifted, there hasn't been as much activity as we had hoped there from the short side. So volumes both in the GC space and the special space in Europe have been soft for us. No, no real pockets of strength, so... So in about another month or so, we'll be preparing pretty full force for our fall auction season, where there's a lot of you know assets brought forward to market for exclusive offering. Do you have, I mean, is it too early to ask you for a predictor on a lot of those international markets then that are coming forward, at least from our perspective to auction or? Yeah, it is early and tough to say. I think we, if, if you use... Look at the spring as an example. So we, the three of us, were talking about as we went into the auction season, is this a good time to auction assets with all this volatility? And in hindsight, it was a fantastic time to auction assets because they've softened since then. We got paid really nice premiums and our clients were happy. So I think a quick turn of events in the market could be a week, two weeks, three weeks between now and October makes it a great time to auction. On top of that, some of those Asian markets are really settlement constrained when it comes to having supply in-house and the structure of an exclusive is what makes sense for them. So I think we'll continue to get paid pretty nice premiums for some of those markets, regardless of where the global macro picture sits. Mm -hmm. Let me ask Brooke a question. What are you seeing from our client base as far as engagement last couple of months? Are people kind of engaged the same way they have been? Are there any new concerns, new areas of interest, things that they're you know, wanting feedback on from the trading desk? Has there been anything that's worth noting for, for the audience? I think that the last couple months have been very much kind of normal time periods. Definitely in the spring, people in March and April, people had a heightened level of engagement and we were speaking to them far more frequently and getting folks like Jim and others on the phone with them far more frequently. The past couple months, I think, have sort of gone back to more business as usual, which is still for us a pretty high level of engagement um, just by the nature of our client base. But it sort of settled back into more of the typical routine, some clients weekly, some clients monthly, some quarterly kind of, you know, communication updates around market activity. But, you know, one area that I think some clients are particularly more engaged on today, and, and it's somewhat regionally focused, but looking at ESG and how ESG does relate back to securities lending is definitely a topic that a lot are spending time on. You're seeing a lot more activity in the market broadly around securities lending and ESG and how securities lending can best sort of satisfy an ESG investment profile for organizations. And there's a lot of industry coordination and groups focused on that right now. So that's one area I would say a trend. We're also, you know, in early October, 
on the European side of things, SFTR becomes relevant for the client side, the lender side of the business to implement. But largely, you know, it's it's really the agent lenders ourselves and other agent banks that are that are broadly handling that for clients. So I don't think it's necessarily keeping clients up at night. And then in the US market, I think that depending upon the the profile of a program that clients have in terms of collateral and what then they do with that collateral on the reinvestment side, if they are taking cash, you know, there were a lot of cash lenders that did benefit significantly from the widening of spreads in the spring through early summer. And that's obviously, as Jim was noting, that's come in quite a bit. And so now it's managing balances appropriately and being mindful of where they can place their cash and, and what that looks like in terms of a yield opportunity to make their programs profitable. So, but again, I think that this work from home, this environment that we're all in is definitely, it's a phrase that's overused, but it is the new normal. And, and I think people are going through day to day much like they always did. And, you know, it's just a different way to get through it. Thanks, Brooke. That was great. Appreciate that. I think we're almost at time here, guys. I think this was a great conversation and always like talking about this. And hopefully, Jim, your prediction of things getting better here after the summer doldrums is true and mm-hmm. returns finish strong for 2020. So I'm going to thank Brooke and Jim and everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Thanks, guys.